All right, welcome back to the PCC podcast. And today for our first interview of the whole show, um, episode probably five, uh, I'll probably get that wrong. It'll probably go out of order, but uh, super excited to introduce our head coach, Marilyn, to you guys who are listening probably already know her pretty well um, as one of the coaches at PCC and um, our new newly promoted head coach. But I'm really excited to just dive in and like actually get to know um, cause I've heard, I feel like I've heard your story, like in a disjointed way, just through like in passing and conversation, but never really like all at once. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about it. Um, and just give you guys the opportunity to get to know Marilyn and Marilyn behind just, you know, coaching. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. Sweet. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely want to start with just like your story and kind of what brought you into fitness, but then we'll kind of talk a little bit more about coaching and your growth here at PCC and the impact that we're making with women's lives is kind of the direction that we'll go. Um, but if you want to just start by like bringing it back to where your fitness journey started, like what was like the origin point? Yeah. So I would say the origin point if we're really, really, really going back in time, like to the very first moment that initiated everything, it was probably when I first started struggling with my body image, which was in middle school. Honestly, I first started noticing a little bit about my body, about the way that I looked. I didn't really like the way that I looked because I was super, 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 super skinny, which I know a lot of people are probably going to be like, but isn't that the goal? Like, don't you want to be yeah. skinny? Um, but I, I also knew that I felt like I was very lanky and, you know, some of the girls had just like a little bit more like muscle on them. They were gymnasts and things like that. So that's kind of where I first started having a little bit of body dissatisfaction. And then, um, throughout high school, as I got out of that awkward, like preteen body, that lankiness and everything, I started kind of like, you know, going through puberty, growing some things here and there and <laughs> looking a little bit more developed. Let's just say that. And I started really liking my body. Um, and I, I noticed that I got a lot of praise for being really skinny and that put a lot of pressure on me. Like my mom praised me a lot for being really skinny. Um, uh, my friends would make comments all the time because I could eat so much. I was such an active kid. I could eat so much and stay skinny. Um, that I felt almost like this pressure to maintain that image. So when I noticed I started gaining weight around sophomore year of high school, that's when I started to engage in not the best behaviors. Um, I actually ended up developing an eating disorder. That's when I started um, trigger warning here, you know, binging and purging. That's when I started restricting, over-exercising, and it was like torture. Um, I just remember being so distressed about my body and in so much pain over it every day. And things would ebb and flow, you know, things would get maybe better and worse, but I would say it wasn't until college where things got out of control, like total out of control. Um, I lost mm -hmm. a good bit of weight. That's when I first started hearing people having concerns about my weight, like a friend brought it up. Yeah. Um, and that's when I remember when I had thrown up because I still dealt with uh, like bulimia, then I started seeing blood in my throw up. I know that's oh, wow. a very, yeah, that's a very dark thing to say, but it, it is what was a big turning point for me. That's kind of when I realized, oh, this is really unhealthy. I should probably make a change. Um, and from that moment on, I decided I needed to make a change. I don't know why it was easier for me to make that switch because I know a lot of people aren't so lucky, you know, yeah. um, if anything, something like that would motivate them to continue you never know, you know, like yeah. these eating disorders can get really nasty. Um, but I, I did decide, you know what, I don't want to feel weak in my body anymore. I want to start feeling confident in my body. So I chased confidence and not necessarily a look. And that's when I started getting into bodybuilding. Someone talked about bodybuilding and um, I competed for four years because it was the first time that I allowed myself to eat more than I had been. Um, and you know, it, it taught me a lot about nutrition and how well a body can do when you do fuel it properly and when you respect it. So bodybuilding really taught me that, you know, how to have respect for my body in a sense. But yeah. then ironically, it also told me or taught <laughs> yeah. me how to not have respect for my body because bodybuilding totally. itself, you know, 
the fat loss uh, periods and everything, the extremes that you have to go through are very extreme and unhealthy. But I would say that is like where everything started. And my story just continues to grow and go on from that point forward. Um, but that is where everything initiated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do want to, you know what, I'll ask you this now. This is, uh, cause it's kind of natural. Cause it, it's interesting to see like kind of, it went from a very, very unhealthy extreme of an eating disorder to then like a less unhealthy, but still unhealthy extreme of bodybuilding. And you've like really kind of like moved down the gradient, like your whole life and your whole journey. But if we want to just fast forward, cause I know you are in a much better place right now, like fast forward to now, like what's your fitness journey look like now? Yeah. Well, oh gosh. Yeah. My fitness journey now is it's, it's definitely way less body image focused, but I won't, you know, say I don't deal with body image issues. They are constantly there. I, I just wake up with those things. It's just something that I think I was talking to a friend about this and she was actually the first person to really put this in my head. She said that a therapist told her that she may not ever be able to get rid of those thoughts, but you just learn to live with them and you learn that they're just going to be there and you just learn to accept them. And so for me, that's kind of the phase that I'm in learning to accept who I am, what I've been through and learning to accept that I'm going to have these thoughts and that they don't necessarily, you know, mean that I should start dieting or start doing more extremes to compensate for them. So really just learning to sit with that discomfort and accept myself. And as you know, compassion has been a huge message for me in 2022, 2021. That's when I really focus on self-compassion. I think right now it's learning to integrate self-compassion while also health, having healthy goal pursuit. So it's really about, yeah, accepting where I am while also trying to make healthy efforts forward instead of falling back into negative habits, you know? Um, and I, I will say, I think I'm very far away from making those extreme behavior choices and changes, like falling into an eating disorder again. I don't think that will ever, ever happen. Um, but, you know, I think there's similar to you, you know, you get dissatisfied where you're at sometimes. So it's like, how do I still make progress forward without falling into, you know, unhealthy habits? Does that make sense? Totally. Like it's the, it's the challenge of, okay, like we've, we've practiced the compassion and the acceptance, but now it's like, oh, but I do want to pursue more. And it's coming from a healthy place and learning how to trust that versus like thinking that it's going backwards and like, how much is too much? And like, what is a healthy push forward? And like redefining that now, because I know you've kind of come to a better place with like your training and your BJJ and like, like just really focusing on like moving every single day and, and doing it from a good place though. And it's like, maybe two people could have the same regimen. And for one person, it could be totally extreme compared to their baseline. And for another, yeah. it could be like a really healthy thing uh, because you're just centering your life around movement. So um, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the forefront of everything is my mental health, you know, and my values, just making sure that my mental health finally takes the priority that it didn't have for my entire life. Um, because I was just constantly pushing and trying to manipulate who I was and running away from who I really was instead of just doing that reflection and being like, Oh, like these are things I don't like about myself, but I don't have to run away from them. Yeah. I can want to improve on them, but I don't need to take extreme measures in doing so. And yeah, I definitely have a better balance now with just, um, you know, pursuing BJJ in the first place years ago, even just two years ago, I would have never done that because I was too obsessed with the way that I looked. And mm -hmm. so starting to do BJJ for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know what that is, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's a martial art. There's a lot of grappling takedowns. Um, think of it as like wrestling with like a judo twist maybe. And you have to like, the way you win is typically through submissions. So like arm bars and things like that. Um, and so I would have never, ever, ever pursued that in the past, but now I'm able to pursue other hobbies and interests because I'm no longer driven by this fear of needing to maintain the way that I look or to look a certain way because I'm, yeah, I'm practicing worth beyond just the physique, you know, because our physiques are going to change as we get older. And I mean, we can take measures to minimize those changes or to look our best at a certain age. And 
you know, while body image still does play a role and it is still, uh, I think, a small value in my life, I don't want it to be everything to me. I don't want it to be something that makes me shy away from opportunities that I think I would have, you know, would have really liked otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, I just saw something really recently. Oh, I think it was one of our clients who posted like a statistic that like so many women shy away from just living their life because they're not comfortable in their body. And um, yeah, it's awesome to see how far you've come and to have kind of, I mean, you've hired a lot of help along the way, I know, but like to have done all that work and hired the mentors or the coaches and like really put in the work yourself. Cause it's not just like do a therapy appointment and boom, you're good. Like, it's like, there's the, there's that stuff. And then everything in between that I know you've been working really, really hard on. So it's cool to see just kind of the contrast from where you started to where you are. Um, but in between that is when you started coaching. And so I'm curious, like you know, at what point specifically in that whole timeline was when you decided, Hey, I want to be a coach and what was the draw for you? Yeah. So I always knew ever since I got into bodybuilding that I wanted to coach, but I didn't listen to that voice. Like I, I, I heard it. I was like, okay, this is something that I definitely want to do, but for some reason, maybe it was just a lack of maturity or intelligence at the time. I don't know, probably both, but (laughs) I I didn't think, I didn't think that I could make coaching my career. I always just thought, I mean, it was always just a hobby. Like I liked to help people. So I coached some of my, my friends for free for a few years. You know, I got them on like a macro tracking sheet and I got them on a training plan. I gave out workouts so often for free, I would just write them up in like a word document, um, ever since freshman year of college. And that was just something that I truly enjoyed doing with no financial compensation whatsoever. It didn't even occur to me that I could get paid for this. And then I started working with an online coach. His name is Brian Miner. He's now part of team 3DMJ. Um, he's awesome. And that's when I started realizing, oh my goodness, like I could do this for a living. He's doing it for a living. And it was just such an awesome experience. And now obviously coaching has expanded beyond what it was back in the day, which was literally just macro tracking sheets, weekly check-ins. I mean, we have that stuff too, but you know, I think we go very, very deep and we do like the thorough deep work, but um, yeah, I realized like I wanted to do that. And then I went to school for something completely unrelated. As you know, you know, I got my master's degree in speech and language pathology. I practiced as a speech pathologist, but even during my grad school experience, I, that's when I started working on my NASM certification. Um, that's when I started um, working with someone online, my first client and dear friend of mine. Um, she started paying me $15 a week for like nice. programming. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just something so, so simple. I was like, you know what? Might as well um, like charge for, I think she actually was the one, like uh, she might've been the one to say, just please like take my money. I'm not sure or whatever. We negotiated something, but um, it was just a nice little bonus, but I just loved it. I loved it so much. And um, yeah, that's kind of what got me into it. But I will say that I didn't expect me to turn out as the coach that I am. And I won't go into this too much um, unless you're curious, but I thought I was always going to be this bodybuilding macro focused coach. That's really what I thought I was going to be doing. And as my life changed, as I've gone through so many personal experiences, I think that's really shaped the coach that I am today, which if anyone, any one of my clients, if you ask them, what type of coach I am. I'm not the macro bodybuilding coach at all. I'm like very yeah. far away from that. And we work a lot more on, you know, values and the mindset work at the mental health side of things and really making this a long-term successful, healthy, um, balanced journey for them and individualized to them because balance and health look different on everybody. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I love that because I don't think I, like I've, my journey's very similar in a lot of ways. And like, I feel like, um, I also was like, I love, I love numbers and systems <laughs> and like seeing those kinds of things work out. So for me, like when a client would like track and hit their macros perfectly, I'd be like, this is what I want to do. But, um, like, as I've seen you like, at all, 
like the next question, we'll really get into this too. But like, as I've seen you kind of like create these new systems and this deeper work out of necessity for our clients, like it's really opened my eyes to like, holy shit, we could do so much more than just changing people's bodies. And like, that's just scratching the surface level. So um, yeah, you've seen a lot of success with like all of your clients, you're leading our team in retention and in your statistics and everything. And you've become now our head coach where you're coaching our coaches on how you do what you do, but it wasn't always that way. So like you can rewind pre PCC or even during like when you have been working at PCC, but like, what are kind of some of the mistakes and learning experiences that you've had as a coach that you had to go through to get to the skill level that you're at? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. Wow. Um, yeah, you know what? I think the biggest thing it kind of, I will have to say, there's a lot of things, but I think the biggest thing that had the biggest influence on me, and you know about this personal event that happened in my life in 2021, I had some crazy things happen in my life. And that like recovering from that event and those events, I guess you could say the mental health issues that stemmed from that is what taught me so much perspective and empathy for people. And it made me realize, it gave me like the depth to understand that we all think in different ways and there's no right or wrong way or not, it's not one size fits all essentially. Because I think before all of those things, I would get a little offended if a client didn't follow the macros to a T. It's like, if you just follow the macros, if you just do the, the <laughs> training, you're going to get the body that you want. Like, isn't that enough motivation as it is? I just could not understand it, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and, you know, I would try to find solutions, but I just, I really didn't give it too much thought. You know, I would try to be inspiring or whatever, but going through what I went through taught me so much more about that really taught me the inner workings of the mind. Um, it, it really helped me push myself to research and investigate these sorts of, you know, psychological topics to help our clients and use evidence-based tools and resources to help our clients. So then they can have lasting success that comes from what one of our clients said today on the call, addressing the root of everything, right? Yeah. Um, because there's so much that goes into our relationship with nutrition and, uh, you know, how we see ourselves and the choices that we make. And so I think the biggest mistakes that I did in the past was not not having a good understanding of that, I guess you could say. Um, mm. And I don't really think that's like necessarily an intentional mistake. I mean, it, it's just something that I didn't have the knowledge on, you know, but yeah, that's the most profound thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And similarly to myself, it's like you, like, we kind of just, I know what I did was I would just assume that everybody else thought the way that I did. And like that did not pan out about 99.7% of the time. <laughs> um, and like just trying to convince them to think the way I did where it's like you get into the, the loop of like, they just don't want it bad enough. Like so often when you think that way versus like really trying to understand where they're coming from. So I think the empathy is such a big piece, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of us with bodybuilding backgrounds tend to think that way because we thought that way when we were bodybuilding, you know, it should just be as easy as following your macros, doing your cardio and meal prepping and getting your training done. But yeah, so much more goes into that. Yeah. I love it. No, that's, that's awesome to, to hear because I've seen it. I've seen the growth obviously. And it's like, it's, we're never done working on it. Like there's always things that we're continuing to kind of refine and sharpen, but, um, it was cool to see like that one big turning point really just define how you approached pretty much every single client at PCC, um, not without trial and error and figuring things out along the way, but, um, it's made a huge impact, which like the running joke, right. Is, um, at least my running joke is that you're basically turning us into an MLM because you have all these clients that graduate from PCC for context and MLM is a multi-level marketing scheme. It's like Herbalife and like Arbon and all the other companies that basically like the person at the top recruits more people to sell the stuff, but also recruits them to recruit other people. 
and they recruit people to recruit other people and it keeps going. And so it makes this big pyramid and it's exponential growth for the person at the top, but everyone at the bottom is just grasping for straws. Uh, we're not actually doing that. Absolutely not. Hell no. Uh, but my joke is that like, because like we have people that graduate that are so transformed and impacted that they're like, I'm going to go become a coach. And we've had a very, like a significant percentage of your roster do that. And so I'm curious, just like, how's that feel? Like knowing that's the level of impact you're making and just like, what's your take on that? Well, uh, first of all, while I would love to take credit for that, I think, I, I think I also want to give credit to those clients because I think those clients for, you know, they have a seat in them that makes them pursue these, this avenue, right? This avenue of coaching. There's something innate within them that I can't take credit for. But I will say, if I had to think of it as if, okay, well, would they have had the same urge to pursue fitness if they had worked with a different coach at a different you know, company who maybe didn't have the same approach as us? Maybe they were more black and white and more rigid with how they do things and didn't understand you know, more of the psychology behind nutrition, behavior change, all of that. Then certainly, yeah, like it does feel good because I can only imagine what would have happened if it wasn't us that had these, these impacts on our clients. So it feels good. Um, I mean, yeah, I take pride in my work and I think that it's a big compliment to the work that we're doing here. And, you know, I think that the best part of it all is just hearing a client say, thank you so much for not yelling at me and not, <laughs> not criticizing me. And I'm like, if I can just do that bare minimum, like, wow, winning, you know, because I can't believe that there, there are clients or not clients or coaches in person or online personal trainers or whatever nutritionists that are that way that use punishment or shame as a way of encouraging their clients, quote unquote, which is not encouragement at all. If anything, it's just, you know, it's, it's just driving them into more fear. And um, yeah, there was a second part to your question that I just forgot though. You said, how does it feel? And just what's your take on it? Kind of the same thing. Take? Well, that, that's my take on it. Yeah. I can't take all the credit for it though, but I think I'm just glad that they ended up where, you know, where they did with, with us yeah. at PCC rather than a different coaching company that maybe would have not really inspired them to pursue it as much, or maybe would have even discouraged them from having anything to do with fitness and nutrition, you know, but now they can carry on what we love to teach others and carry it on and even grow their own businesses out of this and continue to improve and enhance. And honestly, that just feels like I'm doing good into the world. And my goal is to make the people <laughs> that do want to pursue coaching under me. So for example, like a client who wants to become a coach, to be better coaches than me. Like I, I don't want to be the best coach on the planet because that's it. First of all, a huge pressure and also impossible <laughs> to achieve, but, but you, you need to collaborate with other people. You need to see what other coaches are doing out there or um, what the research says and things like that. So if I knew all the answers, if I was the best, then I would get us nowhere. So for me to instill that in my clients who want to become coaches, to be better coaches and to become even better than me, hopefully one day, that would be great. I mean, hopefully I do catch up and, you know, can, out, <laughs> can, compete. Like, yeah. can compete and outpace people. But like at the end of the day, you, you do want people to be better um, because that's just more good in the world. And yeah. that's all I care about. I would never want to inhibit someone from being the best coach possible because yeah, that, what's the point of that? That's just selfishness. So that's my take on it. Um, yeah. All that to say is like, I don't, it's not necessarily that I don't want to be the best coach possible. I want to be the best <laughs> coach that I can possibly be, but I also want everyone, you know, who wants to become a coach under me to be their best possible selves. And, you know, I, I hope to learn from them as well one day. Yeah. Well, I think that's the unique thing about it is that like every person has all their unique experiences that make them, you know, 
have a level of expertise in some areas versus others. So like for you, like compassion and teaching that and a lot of the psychological mental health aspects are like your forte, right? Because that's your lived experiences that you were able to have the most empathy through versus Mm -hmm. like another person, like for example, coach Rachel is a mom and like understands like what the pre and postpartum is right now better than you do because you haven't done that yet. (laughs) Um, So it's just like how they can also impact people in a different way uh, will be cool to see because it's going to be a a different type of relationship that they'll have with people than you had with them. So, yeah, Yeah. um, I do want to get into something that you just said, uh, which is, you know, I'm happy they went with us versus another coaching program or, you know, they didn't, uh, they they got the experience that motivated them to move forward with like coaching or just their fitness journey versus not pursuing it or even being discouraged or going backwards. And I'm just curious, like, what is it that you feel makes or breaks that journey? Not for just like the clients who be, who want to become coaches and are like taking their certifications, but just like clients in general, like, what is it that you feel really turns the dial up on their likelihood of success that either we do here or that we instill in them what so rephrase so the question is can you repeat the question yeah what do you feel about our coaching style sets us apart yes okay that's what I thought you were asking I just wanted to make sure so yeah um what I think really sets us apart is the level of care and detail I think we go into. And it's, I mean, it's a morph of things, really. I think we have really strong values. I think that that's a big part of it, right? I mean, we have a mission statement, we have our PC core values. And I think everything that we do, so for example, evidence-based practices and connecting with our clients on a deeper level and um, going that extra mile and being encouraging and positive and helpful. All those things that make a great coach are founded on PCC's core principles, relentless growth, impactful integrity, courageous connection, energizing empowerment. So I think that's really what sets us apart. I've never really seen, I mean, I've seen companies. I mean, I I really don't really look into a lot of coaching companies as it is, (laughs) but I mean, I don't know if they have mission statements or core values like we do, but I just know that we, we hammer that home and everything that we do is founded off of those principles. Everything that I do, I know I can only really speak for myself as a coach, but I see this in the other coaches as well is, you know, based on those principles and all the actions that I take and all the interactions that I have with my clients, I think about how is this bettering their lives or how am I leaving like a positive imprint on this client, you know? Um, and I think that's the thing, like we don't get lazy with our coaching. We're always connecting the coaches on the back end. You know, we have a client issue that we really don't feel comfortable addressing alone, or if we need advice or, you know, direction or help, we are all hands on deck helping each other. And I think that's really what sets us apart. It's our community. It's our connection with not only with our clients, but with each other. And I think that's probably what our clients see. They see that we have a tight knit community on the back end, and it's hard not to feel, you know, good about that. Like when, when things are good at home, right? Like things are just good. So I think, yeah, I think overall it's our, um, our values, but I, I just touched on community as well. And I think I can't overlook that either. I think our community is also what drives a really high success rate because I find that the people who participate in the community, the office hours, um, challenges, things like that, they're the ones that oftentimes see the best results. And I don't mean results in terms of just physique results and achievements, but yeah. I mean, life satisfaction and happiness and well-being. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, kind of what I gathered from that was something that I've been really like sitting with a lot since our staff retreat is the whole idea that it starts with us. Like it starts with me internally. It starts with you internally. What work are you doing on yourself and what work are we doing together? How are we communicating? I love what you said, like 
if we're good at home, like if, if the family's good, then like all the relationships and the, the outward projection to life and to others also is impacted. Um, Cause I've noticed that with myself, like the trickle down effect for me as a leader, everything, like I think about it, like everything dilutes um, level by level. So like, if I'm the head of the company, then like, I have to be the most convicted, the strongest, the most, like the best example, because it trickles down from me into the team. And then the team is a slightly, like there's a slight dilution of that level of passion, of conviction, of everything, because it's like, it's, it's not, it's your, this is your career. This is your job, but it's not like you, you created it from the ground up. It's not your baby. Right. And so like you, inherently you'll never care about PCC just as much as I do, but it's, it's close. It's close. <laughs> I can tell, <laughs> but like, that's kind of how it, it levels down. Right. And then from there, you to your clients, each coach to their clients, each person to their role trickles down from there. And so I think the stronger like upstream it is. And I think that's why what you're saying is so true. It's like our team is so collaborative. Our bond is so strong. And what we do is like, there's more meaning behind it than just like, oh, we're all just kind of here to like clock in, clock out. This is just a job. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I took from that. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you were a boss CEO who weren't living by the values that you expect from us, then, I mean, this would be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think, I think there would be, and I think that's where a lot of companies, big companies, especially because the CEO is so removed from the day-to-day -day workers and things like that. That's where a lot of those workers build resentment and there's a loss of oversight. Or if the CEO is a total dingo, and I was going to say a different word, <laughs> D-I-C-K, um, then, then, you know, that bleeds down into that chain of command and people are just miserable. And I saw this firsthand at one of my husband's previous companies, you know, and mm. people have fled from the company ever since there was the change in the chain of command, you know? So I see that a lot and I do, I do agree with you on that for sure. And, uh, I was just thinking the analogy I was thinking of is if the bones are good, the house doesn't fall, you know? So yeah. I think we are the bones. And um, I think that's really important. Absolutely. That foundation of the, of the house has got to be strong. Otherwise when the storm hits, everything goes to shit. I just, I just mm -hmm. broke the no cursing. This episode is now explicit, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's awesome. So I am curious though, because we're always learning and we're always growing and it, it does start with us, but we also have to keep evolving in order to keep the ball rolling with our clients. What are some, it could be some or one skill or something that skill or practice or something that you are working on getting better at as a coach? Ooh, interesting. So this is a great question. Um, I think one of the things I'm, I'm continuously working on is it's, Gosh, it's so intertwined with my personal life. You know what I mean? Because I, yeah. I do, it's hard to just say, it's hard to separate personal from coaching. And something that I was talking to my husband about was actually just having more faith, like spiritual faith and everything, because I know that seems very unrelated to my work as a coach, but I feel like it's very related because when you just trust that things are going to work out for the greater good, that, that some spiritual force, God, whatever you believe in, that the universe has your back and that will carry that carry you through any interaction you have with a client. You just don't take it personally because guess what? Reality is coaching clients is not always sunshine and you know rainbows. There's going to be difficult situations where some things happen, you know, um, a client's really struggling and it's hard not to take some of the things that they might say personally, if they're really struggling. Um, yeah. like we were talking about before, you know, it's like that instinct of like, Oh, if you just do this, this will work out. So instead of letting that bog me down and discourage me and burn me out as a coach, something that I've learned is just having faith that this client is here for some reason. And I am chosen to work with this person for some reason. We we are exactly where we need to be. Um, that just 
takes a lot of pressure mm. off my shoulders. It makes me realize that I am some important part in their journey and that it's out of my control and I can only do my best and, you know, the best for what I know right now. And I, I will just admit this right now, you know, I'm probably today making mistakes with how I'm coaching because we just don't know everything about coaching. No one knows everything about coaching, um, but I will get better. And so, you know, I think when you have faith, you don't put that pressure on yourself of needing to be absolutely perfect and the best because that can interfere with how you coach your clients that can drive yeah. you crazy, you know, and, and impair your ability to communicate effectively and put the client first. So totally. that's what I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, it's really funny that you say that, like, it was kind of a surprise answer that I didn't expect from you either, but I love it because I heard something really similar recently from, um, my coach who I was listening to a podcast and he was kind of saying like, he has also kind of changed his perspective to just basically assume that everyone that he crosses paths with in his life is put there for a reason. And when you do that, you approach every relationship differently. You approach it with more curiosity of like, oh, this person's in my life now. I wonder what they're here for. Let me go like, and you approach it with this curiosity of like, what is there to find, right? And versus like, just kind of like checking the box or whatever, um, really looking for like, what am I meant to do for you? What are you meant to do for me? What can I, not only what can you teach them, but what can I learn from them too? Um, so it's interesting because I heard that maybe two weeks ago and then you just kind of said something along the same vein. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I was talking about. And that's so, so interesting that you heard yeah. that. Before, and I swear I didn't listen to that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I bet you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we literally just talked about it last night, um, me and my husband, because he was kind of dealing with a similar thing in his line of work too. And yeah. we were just talking about faith and the importance of that. So yeah, and just staying grounded in it, because I think what it does, and like a takeaway for like a client who's listening to like faith in your journey, faith that you are where you need to be right now, like when you're grounded in faith, in that trust in whether that's the process or where you are right now and just having acceptance for that versus kind of questioning and questioning like what that does is it I know for me really lowers the emotional toll that things can take on you I actually had a, a really really massive reflection over this past weekend about that where like I just feel so grounded in my marriage and like where I'm at with that and in like the faith that I'm building that the business problems just don't seem that big anymore. Like it doesn't stress me out like it used to. I'm not having like anxiety over it. It's just like, this is just a fun game. And like, it works <laughs> as long as you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and it's like, when you really have that grounding of like, what's like, what truly matters for you and like, what's the root of why you're doing this. And so it's cool to kind of hear again, like we always like, whenever we catch up with each other, we're like, Oh, we're like kind of along the same wavelength right now. Like, I feel like this is just another one of those times. <laughs> I was just thinking that I 100% agree. And it's interesting that you brought up kind of, well, what if you didn't have faith, the questioning, the, I like to look at it as searching for reassurance, searching for, you know, absolutes. You're never going to find that. Mm -hmm. And if anything, you're going to find more evidence against having faith and trusting the journey because of, I don't know, past behaviors or whatever. If you think of it, like from a dieting standpoint, like a client, you yeah. know, like, is this going to work? You know, if they go down that line of questioning and overthinking, they will end up shooting themselves in the foot. So trust and faith and all of that is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And like less so for like, cause it's less so for like what specifically we're doing, like our, our macros that we give our clients or like our protocols. It's way less for that. And again, just more so for that emotional, like bandwidth that it brings down of like, it is simpler to just say like, you know what, for this period of time, I'm just going to trust that this is like where I need to be and do everything that I'm told. And like, regardless of if it's some crappy Weight Watchers diet or something, or if it's what we're doing, like it's going to work better when you have that grounding versus the questioning one. Um, and then, I mean, after, you know, we could talk about how that, you know, can go two different ways depending on the approach, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but 
it's important that to know that like anything will work if you just put your faith into it and take action on it. Yeah. It's like you, when you were talking about this on today's office hour about macro tracking, you're like, I just need to follow the macros and just like, in a sense, trust it and just do it, you know, um, with your you know, coach and everything. Yeah. That's kind of what I was hearing. It was just, just having trust and faith that it's going to work out if you, you know, follow it or whatever, um, to, a, you know, kind of, a a little bit of a, what do you call it? I don't know. I'm forgetting the word, but uh, a similar, you know, um, situation in that sense. Like a parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Parallel. That's the word. Yeah. I got you. Um, no, I love it. Um, so I guess I have like kind of a two-parted question for you because if you're listening to this and you don't know already, uh, then you'll know now that Marilyn is not only one of our coaches at PCC, but she's also elevated into our head coach position, which means that she not only has her own roster of clients, but we have actually scaled that back a little bit so that she can coach our coaches on being the best coach that they can be. Um, and that also has its own trickle down effect, right? So I'm just curious, like two parts, what sort of impact do you hope to make on your our coaches here at PCC and the impact they're going to make and then secondarily the impact that you're going to make on all of our clients here at PCC's lives yeah that's a great question um so I think the impact that I want to make on my on our coaches at PCC is helping them find it's let me try to backtrack here instilling that curiosity that I think both me and you also have, and I think that they have, but to continue to further their skill development. And I think especially when we have a new untrained coach, and we don't have many of them often, but, you know, for example, Rachel, um, when she came in, I mean, she had experience and things like that, but she didn't have as much time under her belt that like, as like, as we did, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, she's been through everything as a client. She does her own research, but I still think, of course, the idea is to get her to eventually step into her own power and into her own self and to be able to bring even more ideas to the table and to contribute to our resource bank and to even, you know, take on her own project or create her own, um, you know, way of doing things with clients that still aligns with what we're doing, but her own twist on things, you know? So I think just helping to encourage our coaches to develop that skill of being a coach that isn't reliant on head coach necessarily, you know what I mean? Um, I will always yeah. be here and I will always do my best to provide resources and information, but I want our coaches to essentially be their own head coaches in a way, like all mini little head coaches. Would you <laughs> say, would you say that your mission then is to ignite an individualized transformation? Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. That is our, what is it? Our, our uh, <laughs> mission, no, our vision, mission statement. Yeah. Not our vision statement, our mission statement. Yeah. Similar so to our client. Uh, <laughs> I know, but it was a good parallel, but yeah. Um, no, it does make sense. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's so important because I think a leader isn't, because this is a leadership role mm -hmm. and I don't think a leadership role necessarily means do what I say, follow what I say. That's not what it is at all. I hated working for bosses like that in the past. I would butt heads with them like crazy or supervisors like that, especially if something didn't make sense to me. You know, if it didn't make logical sense, it's like, why are we still doing this outdated practice from 20 years ago? You know, something yeah. like that. Um, back in the speech pathology world when I used to be a speech pathologist. And I think a, a good leader instills leadership in you know, people that they are leading. And I think, you know, that's the whole idea. It's not about being better than them or about taking over or, you know, boosting my ego. It's about, like I said, it's all about the greater good, making them have the same impact that I, you know, that I've seen with us being coaches and everything like that. Yeah, totally. 
Um, cause those are like the coolest wins of just like when somebody that you kind of taught and mentored has like those victories of their own. Like, I know that's something that I love about leadership is just like being able to celebrate that with them and for them versus everything being just a big, like inflating my own head type of thing, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, it's really not, it's not about us. It's about, it's about the impact. So, um, I guess, you know, final question here for our listeners, uh, because we'll have our clients who listen to this and we'll probably also have a lot of other folks listen to this too. Um, so what's like a one piece of advice that you would give our listener towards living a healthy lifestyle and making a permanent change in their fitness journey? I feel like I've been asked this many times in the past before. Probably, yeah, definitely on the Barbell Lifestyle podcast. I think that was yeah. the last question as well. And I yeah. don't know what my answer was then. Um, I don't remember either. So I'll have to go yeah. back and see. Yeah. It's, it's remember, actually, I think I know what it was. I think it was probably about compassion or something like that. And I don't think my answer is going to change because while there are other things that people can work towards to create sustainable habits, and I think that's important, this is the entry fee to doing that, having compassion for yourself and not compassion, meaning, oh, you know, I'm going to sit on the couch and eat a bunch of potato chips because I'm, I'm, you know, I love myself. Like that's not what it's about. (laughs) Really mastering the skill of compassion is so much more than that. It's really digging into what are my values. It's getting to know yourself and acting in accordance with that while also being kind to yourself and non-judgmental and holding, you know, holding those judgy thoughts in a safe space. And that's true compassion, being able to, you know, marry all those things together. Um, and yeah, I would say that is the entry fee to making sustainable change. If you don't have self-compassion, watch your fitness journey burn in two, three years you know, because that's exactly, that's what happens, you know, and I see this a lot with bodybuilders, they get into bodybuilding, because it is that strict regimented, you know, protocol that is easy to follow when you're all or nothing black and white, as long as you follow it, then you're perfect, you don't have to change anything. But then when life gets complicated, or things happen, or dynamics change in relationships, or whatever, um, it it does get a lot harder to manage. And you realize that these, a lot of these people might not carry that self-compassion and will struggle with this in the future. And it's sad, but it happens a lot. You see a lot of bodybuilding burnouts. Um, And I was one of them for sure. And then I realized I I needed to build that compassion. So yeah, Mm, that's what I would say. And I feel like that pattern is not exclusive to bodybuilding either. It's like every dieter out there is just beating up on themselves constantly until hopefully they come across us <laughs> and can learn yeah. some self-compassion. Yeah. Bodybuilding and extreme diets, fad diets, they have a lot in common. Uh, okay. That's, that's, I feel like I'm just pooping on bodybuilding right now or poo-poo and bodybuilding. <laughs> Not pooping on. <laughs> Poop. Who says that? Poo-pooing on bodybuilding right now. I am not poo-pooing on bodybuilding because it was such a saving grace for me. It was amazing at the time, you know, and I think there's so many amazing people in the industry that I look up to and that I still ask questions to and, you know, consult and everything because they're so wise and amazing. And I think a lot of what we know about fitness and health and nutrition comes from bodybuilding too, you know, and I think it's great, but um, I think some people get into it for the wrong reasons, just like some people get into certain diets like keto and low carb and uh, carnivore diets for the wrong reasons and are looking for a solution that, that that's not a solution for them, you know, like they're looking in the wrong places. So yeah, yeah, just want to, pr- you know, like make sure everyone knows that I am not a hater on bodybuilding. Um, yeah, well, you I, even have clients that are going to do bodybuilding shows but it's just like like you said it's the entry fee is that compassion so if you have that you can probably pursue whatever it is you want but it's just takes a lot of work for people to get there uh, with that compassion for themselves um oh man there was something else that I was going to say and I can't remember what it was oh it's going to kill me oh well well is there anything else that you want to add to close us out Um, any final thoughts for the episode 
no final thoughts, but I'm just really excited for this podcast. I think it'll be cool. I think we'll get into some cool topics and um, just excited to see where it goes. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, your clients are already know this, but where can the people find you? Instagram. I changed my Instagram handle to Marilyn moves. And I still think that's going to be complicated for a lot of people to find because no one knows how to spell my name. People think <laughs> it's like the state. It's not like the state. It's like Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Monroe, um, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N moves, um, no underscore, nothing. And <clears throat> on Facebook, Marilyn Sigelski, if you want to add me as a friend, particularly my clients. And I mean, if you're a stranger, if we have a mutual friend, I'll add you. If we have no <laughs> mutual friends, I might give you the side eye. Um, but that's, those are the primary places. I don't really use other social media. I have a TikTok, but I haven't used it in ages. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. And we'll put that in the description as well. I find it hilarious that you, um, wanted to spell your first name, but not your last. Cause I'm still checking like how to spell your last name. <laughs> I got Kowalski after like maybe six months of typing it over and over again. And like this yeah. one I'm still working on. So, um, <laughs> but we'll, I haven't legally the description. Yeah. I have not legally changed my last name to Sigelski. So I don't think it's going to happen. So now I feel stuck because a lot of my accounts have changed like yeah. to Sigelski, but I don't think I'm going to change it. Just don't tell my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my mom cares so much. I think my dad's like, you need to change it. Kowalski such a bland last name. No, my mom, it's the opposite. My mom wants me to change it. Um, she thinks it's a very bland last name. It'd be a mouthful if you, ha- if you hyphenated it. Kowalski, <laughs> Kowalski, Sigelski. Sigelski, Sigelski. Don't do Kowalski, that. Sigelski. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But you know what? If I do do a name change, I think I'm going to add a middle name because I don't have a middle name. Yeah. But I'm going to oh. make it something cool. Like. Marilyn Killer Kowalski Sigelski. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was talking to somebody about that the other day. But if anybody has any middle name suggestions, please let me know. But it has to be something unique. I want to have fun with it. Boom. <laughs> There's the call to action right there. Everybody go send Marilyn a message on what her middle name should be. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I I really love this interview and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. Um, and there will, I'm sure, be many, many more. But um, yeah. Thanks so much for being on and thanks for listening. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you are subscribed on either Apple or Spotify and leave a five-star rating and review if your team Marilyn. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you back next week.